This morning we want to uh, take a closer look at two phrases that are found several times throughout the New Testament, uh, particularly in the writings of the Apostle Paul. And those phrases are the ideas of putting off and putting on. And when you hear those words, what first comes to mind? If we were to take a poll, uh, there's a good chance we would get various answers because in our modern English, these phrases can take on several different meanings. For example, someone might say that they were really put off by another person, which means that they said or did something that offended them or, or made them angry. You might say, I'm putting that off until later, which means you're delaying it or you're postponing some action. Or maybe you've heard the phrase used like this, that news really put me off my game, which means that it distracted you or, or sidetracked you. Similarly, we use the phrase put on in different ways. Those of us who are a little older might uh, remember a song that spoke of putting on the Ritz, which had to do with getting all dressed up or, or living in luxury. In the South, we say he's putting on the dog, uh, which means similarly that he's uh, dressed up or is acting uh, kind of highfalutin, we might say. Uh, we might also say things like he's putting on airs, which is someone who um, acts like he's better than others. Or I'm just putting you on, which means I'm just teasing you or... or uh, perhaps even tricking you. Or if a school puts on a play, that means they present or, or host such an event. As you can see, put off and put on can mean several different things in different situations, at least in our vocabulary. But in our text, in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, it's clear that the Apostle Paul didn't have any of these meanings in mind when he uses the phrases put off and put on. He says there, beginning with verse 20, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness." Even though in our language these phrases may uh, refer to several different meanings, the Greek words that are translated as put off or put on in the New Testament were much more straightforward. The Greek word for putting off um, simply refers to the act of removing clothing. For example, in Acts 7 and 58, we read that those who stoned Stephen laid down or put off their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. Similarly, the word for putting on uh, in Greek refers to putting on or wearing clothes. In Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus teaches not to worry about your body, what you will put on, because the body is more than clothing. When he sent out his 12 disciples in Mark 6, he told them not to take anything but a staff and not to put on two tunics or coats. In the parable of the prodigal son, when the son returned home, his father told the servants to bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, Luke 15, 22. And then just before his crucifixion, as the soldiers mocked Jesus, we read that they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. They twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, spat on him, struck him on the head with a reed, and then when they had mocked him, they took the robe off him and put his own clothes, his own clothes on him and led him away to be crucified, according to Matthew 27. John uses this same word in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 1.13, he describes one like the Son of God 
clothed with, that's the same uh, Greek word there, clothed with a garment down to his feet. Again, that's the same, uh, that phrase is the same Greek word, the same that's translated as, as put on uh, in the previous verses we've noticed. Similarly, in Revelation 15 and verse 6, John describes seven angels clothed in bright linen. And in Revelation 19, 14, the armies in heaven were clothed in fine linen. Now, John seems to be describing putting on clothing here, obviously, but, but many scholars agree that the garments uh, here, these um, robes or these fine linen garments, are symbolic of purity and righteousness. And perhaps John borrowed this metaphorical use of the phrase from Jesus. Jesus had instructed his disciples before his ascension to stay in Jerusalem until they were clothed with power from on high, Luke 24, 49. Well, if John borrowed the idea from Jesus, let's just say the Apostle Paul and others picked it up and ran with it. Because in his epistles, Paul especially uses this metaphor of putting off and putting on in a spiritual sense repeatedly. And for a little while this morning, we want to take a closer look at, at some of these passages and see what it is that, that we need to be putting off and that we need to be putting on. As we do, keep in mind that, that original literal meaning of the phrase, the idea of putting off or laying down a garment and then putting on another. In our text, in Ephesians 4, verse 22, Paul teaches that those who have learned of Christ should put off the old man who is corrupted by deceitful lusts. In fact, in Colossians 3 and verse 9, Paul suggests that those in Christ have already put off the old man with his deeds. At least that's what was supposed to have occurred in principle. When we submit our lives to Christ through obedience to the gospel, once we have believed the message, then we repent of our past life of sin. We make the determination to change. We confess Him as the Son of God and as our Lord and our Master, and we proclaim our allegiance to His will instead of our own. And then we are buried with Him in baptism. And Paul describes being baptized into Christ as being baptized into His death, Romans 6 and verse 3. And he goes on to say there in verse 6 that our old man is crucified with Him. And so through obedience to the gospel, in essence, we, we kill our old man, and we can think of that as, as taking off our old self, our old life, maybe like an old dirty piece of clothing, and burying it forever. Well, as I said, that's what's supposed to happen when we obey the gospel. But yet Paul, speaking to the Christians there in Ephesus, Christians who had already obeyed the gospel, and in other places, as we'll soon see, he still felt the need to tell them to continue to put off their old selves. In other words, this is something that may not happen Overnight, It may be a continual process, a continual battle, but it's a battle that we must be willing to fight and that we must not grow lax in. And it's one that we need to ask help for, or help with rather, when that's needed. Help from God and help from our fellow brethren. In fact, I think that's what James perhaps had in mind in James 5 and verse 16. This is a, a well-known uh, verse to us all. It says there, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Very often I think we ignore the first part of that verse 
and we focus on that pray for one another that you may heal because prayer is effectual or is um, effective. And so we think that means to, to if, we have, if we're sick or we have physical ailments, then we need uh, prayers. And perhaps that is what James is speaking of here. But I think what he has in mind is more spiritual. Again, confess your trespasses that you may be healed. If we confess our sins and our shortcomings and our weaknesses, not just to God, but to our brethren, their prayers can have a powerful effect in helping us to put off that old man. But if our old man is crucified, if he's put to death and buried and put off, then who are we? What's left? Who are we to become? Are we just an empty shell? Are we spiritual zombies, so to speak? Bodies walking around with, with no life in them? Well, on the contrary, when the Bible tells us to put off that old man, it follows that up with the instruction to put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness, as Paul says in our text in verse 24. Similarly, in Colossians 3, after describing how those in Christ have already put off the old man, Paul follows that up in verse 10 by saying that we have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Notice that uh, idea there of being in the image of our creator. This new man should be in the image of God. That beautiful symbolism of baptism that's described in, in Romans 6, as we've already alluded to. We're not just buried with Christ through baptism into death. We're not just crucified with Him. It's not all about dying. Paul says in verse 24 there of Romans 6 that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Again, it's not, baptism is not just about death and burial. It's also about resurrection. It's about a new life. He says in verse 11 that we are dead indeed to sin, but alive to God, to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul told the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. I'm dead, or my old self is dead, but Christ lives in me. In fact, in Galatians 3 and 27, Paul would state boldly, I might add, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Again, in Romans 13 and 4, Paul says, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. That old dirty garment, if you will, of the old man that we took off and that we buried, it is to be replaced with something. It's to be replaced with a new man, a new life, a life that is in the very image and likeness of Christ. And what better spiritual clothing could we ever hope for? Well, let's get a little bit more specific. Exactly what does it mean to put off the old man and to put on this new man? That sounds like a, a nice uh, idea, but, but what does that look like? How do we know if we have achieved this goal? Not just in principle, but, but in practice. 
Well, Paul and, and other New Testament writers were uh, very helpful enough to give us some examples, some behaviors, some attitudes that we need to put off. And then others that, in turn, we need to put on instead. And so let's notice some of those. And, and once again, as, as we do, try to picture taking off an old dirty garment, one that we should want to take off as soon as possible. And then imagine replacing it with a new clean garment that's fit for a king. In our text in Ephesians 4, Paul follows his instruction to put off the old man with some examples. Beginning in verse 25, he says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. That phrase there, putting away, is, is not exactly the same Greek word as the one that uh, we've previously noticed, but it's very close. Uh, it too denotes casting off or, or laying aside. Our old man may have thought nothing of lying, but the new man puts away lying. And in its place, Paul says that he puts on speaking truth with his neighbor. Let's read again from Colossians 3, verses 9 and 10, and, and notice how Paul introduces his thought here. He says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So as I said, Paul introduces this thought of putting off the old man and putting on the, on the new man with uh, the example of not lying to one another. I like what Brother Doug Edwards had to say on this topic. He said, there's no way to overestimate the importance of the distinction between that which is true and that which is false. You know, sometimes that gets kind of fuzzy in, in our society. There's a gray area, we think. But again, as Brother Doug says, uh, the distinction is, is clear and important. He says, the differences are as opposite as God, who cannot lie, is from the devil, who is the father of lies. If lying or fibbing or stretching the truth or exaggerating or any other name that we might come up with uh, that doesn't sound as bad as lying, we think, if that's something that we have a problem with, then it's time that we put off that old dirty garment. In verses 26 and 27 of Ephesians 4, Paul says that we should also put off anger or at least the sins that can come from it. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. The old man gets angry, but then lets it linger, lets it get out of control. The new man may get angry, because the scriptures tell us that even God gets angry over the correct thing, such as sin. But we must not allow our anger and our frustration to, to prompt sinful behavior. Speaking of confession, uh, this is an area that, that I sometimes struggle with. Not necessarily anger with other people, but uh, anger with myself or with the pets or with inanimate objects. Uh, I shouldn't laugh. It's not funny. But uh, it is something that, that I have to work at, at putting off, not allowing uh, these things to, to get under my skin. And if that's something that, that you struggle with too, let me again share some advice uh, from Brother Edwards. He said, a Christian should not be easily provoked to anger over everything. Again, it's okay to be angry over things such as sin. But then he says, we should ask ourselves, is this something about which God would be angry? 
Would viewing this from an eternal perspective change my attitude? I think that's really good advice. Stopping to, to think about these questions, I think will help us to be slow to anger, as James instructs us in James 1 and verse 19. Well, continuing there in Ephesians 4, uh, in verse 28, Paul says, Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Notice again the idea of laying off or putting off something and putting on something in return. The old man was willing to steal, and that's just any form of, of unethical gain. Or as one person put it, it's the attitude of thinking you deserve to benefit from the work of others. I think that's a, a good definition of stealing. But the new man not only stops stealing, but he replaces that with working. And notice why. Working not for himself, but working so that he can help others. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul also says that we should put off corrupt communication and then put on words of encouragement. The old man may not care what comes out of his mouth. Things such as filthiness, foolish talking, or coarse jesting, as it's described in Ephesians 5 and verse 4. The, the new man, rather, not only avoids such things, but he seeks to replace those with things, words that uplift those who hear them. Remember, Jesus taught in Matthew 12 that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things and an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. And he went on to warn that, that by our words we will be justified or by our words we will be condemned. And so Jesus definitely thought it was important what type of language uh, comes from our mouths. Another list of things that once belonged to our old man that we should now put off is uh, also found in Colossians 3. We've already referenced verses 9 and 10 several times here in our discussion of, of putting off and, and putting on. And there in verse 5, uh, Paul prece precedes that discussion by listing some sins that should have died with our old man. He says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication or, or sexual immorality, uncleanness, which is any form of impure behavior, passion or, or shameful lusts, evil desire, a craving of, of what God has forbidden, and covetousness, which is a greedy desire to have more. And Paul goes on to equate um, covetousness with idolatry because it places material things before God. Paul says, these things you should have, and if not, do so now. Put these off. And then Paul continues this list of things to put off in verse 8. He says, but now you yourselves are to put off all of these. Anger, wrath, or rage, malice, which is ill will that, that wants to injure someone else. Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. I want to speak to that next to last one there, uh, blasphemy. Most of the time we think of blasphemy as, as words spoken against God. And certainly that is something that we must, uh, as Christians, put off. We should never uh, speak against God. But blasphemy can also refer to words spoken against, spoken to injure another person, to injure their good name. It's what we might think of as, as slander uh, in our legal terms, but, but that's a very similar idea there. 
We might not be guilty of rage. We might not be guilty of malice, something that would physically harm another person. But what about using our words as weapons? You know, the old saying that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. That's a lie. Words can harm others. Gossip, backbiting, evil surmising, these might all be included in this category. And certainly in our age of social media, where people will type and post something that they would never say to someone's face, this is a sin that Christians especially need to put off. Again, like an old dirty garment. Paul follows these lists of things to, to put off here in Colossians 3 with a list of things that we should replace them with, things that we should in turn put on. Beginning in verse 12, he says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. I read one commentator who referred to this list here as the Christian's apparel, since Paul says that these are things that, that we need to put on. I like that because I, I think it stresses that idea that, that we need to put these, thing on, put these things on rather to be properly dressed, if you will, as Christ's followers. Note that, that these are all items that Jesus himself most assuredly wore, if you will, and we are to be clothed in his likeness. The first two traits here that, that Paul lists describe how we are to treat others with mercy and kindness. Um, like Jesus, we should strive to have a heart that's full of compassion. And that heart should lead us to practice uh, courteous speech and courteous behavior that comes from such a heart of compassion. I dare say that many of our world's problems would be solved, or at least would be improved, if people would simply show mercy and kindness. And by all means, Christians should lead the way as a shining example of that. Again, following the example of, of our Savior. The next two virtues that uh, are listed here describe the state of mind that we are to possess. He says that we should be humble and meek. Humility has to do with, with how we view ourselves. Thayer defines it this way. Thayer says that humility is a deep sense of one's moral littleness. Say that again. I had to kind of read that twice. Thayer says that humility, being humble, is a deep sense of your own moral littleness. And I like what Brother James Orton had to say about this. He said that if we try to compare ourselves to others, we will never achieve humility because it's too easy to focus on our own virtues and to focus on others' faults. If we compare ourselves to others, even though uh, it may not be a, a true comparison, we see their faults and we see our virtues and, and we're never going to become humble that way. He says instead... We should um, focus on comparing ourselves to Jesus. Um, again, comparing ourselves to others, we become like the Pharisee. You remember uh, Jesus talked about the Pharisee who prayed, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men. 
Paul says that those who measure and compare themselves in this way are not wise, 2 Corinthians 10 and 12. The only way that, that Jesus could uh, be humble was not by comparing himself to other men. Think about that. Jesus, we know, was uh, very humble. But it couldn't have been because he compared himself to other men because he was always going to win that game. But Jesus humbled himself before the Father. And that's exactly what we should do as well. If we compare ourselves to God, if we compare ourselves to Christ, then as Thayer says, we will develop a deep, deep sense of moral littleness. And that should in turn lead us to treat others with patience and with meekness. The next three traits that Paul uh, says we should put on have to do with how we react when we are mistreated, being long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. And once again, we need look no further than our Heavenly Father and His Son for the perfect example of these qualities. Surely we have been the recipients of, of God's forbearance and His forgiveness. And that demands that we in turn be willing to show no less toward our fellow man. Paul wraps up this list with the Christian apparel that we should put on above all these things, he says. That is, this is the most important thing that any Christian should wear. He says it's like a belt that ties all these other pieces of clothing together, and that is love. Without love, none of these other virtues can last. But with love, these other, only with love, I should say, can these others be maintained. It's no wonder that Jesus said to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself, that these were the greatest commandments, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Well, there are a few more passages, I think, that are worth mentioning that also speak of putting off or putting on. Uh, for example, in Hebrews uh, after presenting the, the Faith Hall of Fame, as we sometimes call it, in chapter 11, the writer there opens Hebrews 12, verse 1, with these inspiring words. He says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. James uh, gets in on the action here, so to speak, in James 1 and 21. He writes, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And Peter too chimes in. He says, Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. 1 Peter 2 and verse 1. Back to Paul, in Romans, the 13th chapter, in verse 12, he says, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off, or put aside, the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. And speaking of armor, I suppose no list of, of things that a Christian should wear or should put on would be complete without a reference to Ephesians 6 and the Christian armor. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Certainly these are things uh, that the Christian needs to, to put on. And Paul gives us the reason there so that we can withstand the, the devil. If you've ever uh, searched for a weight loss program or, or a nutrition plan, uh, maybe you've run across a, a franchise that's called Eat This, Not That. It's a very popular book, especially uh, several years ago. In fact, it's become a series. I think, I think the author has written Cook This, Not That, and, and so forth. But, uh, but it came from a column that got started in Men's Health magazine. And since then, this book has sold over 8 million copies. It's become a huge online and a social media resource. And the premise is, is this. They will show you uh, two foods, uh, one of which is the better choice nutritionally. And sometimes the answer is, is surprising. For example, do you think, which one do you think would be better for you, a McDonald's quarter pounder or McDonald's premium grilled chicken sandwich? Well, the answer is the hamburger. Uh, it has fewer calories, less fat, and a lot less sodium. Now, I'm not just trying to make you hungry this morning, and I'm not endorsing um, the nutritional advice of this book necessarily. But my point is, when given the choice between two things, it's important to weigh the benefits of one above the other. Eat this, not that. That's true of food for the health of our physical bodies, and it's true of our spiritual health as well. And I think that's been the, the overall point of our study today. God always has our best spiritual health in mind. And His Word gives us guidelines to make everyday choices that will help us grow and will help us to become more like Him, to live our best life. Not what the world may view as our best life, but truly our, our best life. The Bible is not just a book of thou shalt nots. God always provides a better alternative. Do this, not that, we might say. And while God instructs us and commands us to, to put off sinful behaviors, He doesn't leave us spiritually naked, so to speak. We are to take off those old, dirty rags and instead put on garments of righteousness. Along these same lines, uh, and, and following the, the analogy of our study today, I found a couple of resources that I think would be uh, excellent tools for further study. Maybe just take one of these a day and, and meditate upon it and, and read verses that, um, that surround it. Maybe you've heard of the Blue Letter Bible. It's a, a online, a free, searchable online Bible program. It's got many different Bible translations and, and study tools and so forth. But the editors of that site put together a list called put off, put on. And they've got a list there of 78, 78 negative behaviors and attitudes that we should put off. And then in contrast, 78 positive ones that we should put on. And they've got scripture references for, for each one. It's a pretty impressive list, I must say. And I, and I asked Nate if he'd put the link uh, in the weekly email this week, if, in case you uh, would like to Take a look at that for further study. And I found some other similar lists. Maybe I'll include some of those in, in newsletters uh, in the future. But again, this idea of, of realizing what we should get rid of and what we should replace it with. Well, I want to leave you with one last idea of, of putting on. After this life, with all of its struggles, is over. For those who have put off the old man and have remained faithful 
to Christ, we are promised that we will replace our perishable mortal bodies and we will put on imperishable, immortal, heavenly bodies. Paul promises in 1 Corinthians 15 and 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 1 through 4, he completes this analogy with these words. He says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, he's speaking of our earthly body, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked, for while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Don't you want to put on that new body? Don't you want to enjoy eternal life? So then make the decision today to, to put off your old self and put on the new one. Obey the gospel plan of salvation that we outlined earlier through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, become a Christian. Or if you've once obeyed that, but you have not remained faithful, then put off those sins through repentance, confession, and prayer.